Hello! Welcome to Studio 6201. I'm Chris Coppin. And I'm Daryl Coster. How's it going, Daryl? It's going really well this week, Chris. How about you? Oh, excellent. I'm ready for episode number seven. How about yeah, that? I know, seven episodes. Oh, man, I'm pumped, I'm pumped, I'm pumped. So I love why. what we're doing here. Uh, having fun, talking, hanging out. Enjoying ourselves. Exactly right. what I want to do. Right? This is when we make ourselves feel like we're contributing because yeah. we have a conversation. Makes me feel like I'm doing something with my life. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stay right there with I that. I never thought I'd say that at 52, 52 soon. But here we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as always, uh, Studio 6201 is uh, generously lubricated. Uh, with lovely contributions from the world of alcohol and great companies out there. Uh, Daryl, you always you always surprise me and delight me. What do we got tonight? Tonight we have Old Forester. Um, right. I think it's, it's Old Forester 86. It's a really nice bourbon out of Louisville. Um, they have a couple of distilleries down there, and it's Brown Foreman Group that own it. Right. Um, it's, a, it's actually a really beautiful bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought it because I wanted to talk about their tour, and they, they have a really cool history, but they have a really good tour there as well. This is the second bourbon I think we've had, right? Uh, we ha- no, I think it's the th- third. Is it the third? I can't remember. I'd have to look back. I got I to get the first taste of bourbon down. There it is. Yeah. Oh! Give it How a second. Doing? Give it a second. Exactly. That, what do you say? Let it roll over the tongue? Let it roll over the tongue. Get a, exactly. that Kentucky hug going. The Kentucky hug. Kentucky hug. You have to have the Kentucky I hug. And once you have that, that now you can put it in your, a little bit in your mouth and rub it over your gums and your tongue and stuff. And you should, mm. you should start feeling, See? getting flavors like um, oak, sweet corn, some rye grain character, uh, spicy soft vanilla. Nice. You're always going to get the same things. A little bit of cherry, a little yep. bit of apricot, yep. all dried. I'm finding, though, uh, here, so seventh time we've gone through alcohol, I am starting to pick up those hints of things in there. So yeah. I'm feeling very proud of myself. Well, and you should. We right. had a, we had a, um, I bought a, um, a Bun of Heaven. You have had, you've had the Bun of Heaven with us, I think. Yes, yes. Well, I bought a different style of Bun of Heaven last night. And I can't okay. remember the name of it, but I brought it home, and Beth smelled it, and she's like, there's sherry in that, and I'm like, "Good for you!" Oh, look at like everybody getting it up. Trained. Oh yeah, she's and she's got it. She's got it really good, and it's because it was aged in a ser- sherry cask, which then changes the flavor considerably. Right. Uh, one of the traditions we have here at Studio Six Two Hundred One is we actually throw up a cheers, celebrate the things that have gone through. Uh, you know what I'm going to cheers this week? Uh, I think one of the really cool things happening here with the Studio Six Two Hundred One podcast right. is that people seem to want to freely engage us in conversation about things now. And that was the whole point. Yeah. So cheers to that. Uh, we may be succeeding. It's a great cheers. I, I get that. My friends are calling me and saying, I have an idea, or have you thought about this, or have you thought about this concept? And exactly. And some of them have been really, like, eye-opening, mm-hmm. which is great, because I love learning things. Exactly. And listen, we've already got a couple ideas in the stream for things to come, so yeah. keep that coming, and Given please to, feel like, free to contribute. From friends of mine, friends of yours, uh, it's fantastic, so we can really, and we'll have some of them in for guest yeah. spots, too. We are right on the brink of having guests. Yes. Maybe now next one we'll see how it goes but we got a plan we can't wait to share with you yeah absolutely uh i'd like to spend a cheers out today for the weather i know we Mm. did i know you did it last week but i'm doing it this week i was actually able to go outside today i took a run to the dump right i was i had my windows down i raked my lawn i brought out the lawn furniture into my backyard and it's just like this feels good it's I need some warmth. Did you did you walk around your yard going, oh, I took these buckets off these maple trees too quickly? Yes. <laughs> I loved your post this week. They're still flowing. They're still flowing. I, I can't. <laughs> so uh, this is my very first year I've done maple syrup. And the maple right. syrup we did was really fun. And we didn't get any sap for two or three days. And I'm like, all right, we're done. This is the way I understood it. Just stopped flowing. Well, I misunderstood the way it stopped flowing. And when it stopped flowing, it started up again. It's, I took them off. Rivers. I pulled them off. Rivers was your description. Yeah, <laughs> one side. There's two trees where the whole one side of the tree is just soaked, and it has been for a week and a half. And I still have friends that are doing it, and they're like, "Yeah, we're still getting 50, 60 gallons a day." My goodness, you rookie! Look what oh, you did. Oh, such a such a rookie mistake. So bad. You sit there just watching it flow out of the trees, going, "Ah, oh, come C- on!" Crying. Oh, oh man. look at all that I lost. Uh, speaking of, oh come on, uh, you know I consider myself to be clever. So when I, when I'm not clever, <laughs> things get really annoying because uh, last uh, time we were together, uh, we t- <laughs> this is this is a terrible story. It's an awesome we, story. <laughs> yeah, we talked about the Skippy Bears, uh, yeah. the peanut butter bears, not working. How they're retired. Uh, and uh, t- so I will let you pick up the story from. We'll go podcast wrap. We put it together. Your family's listening to it. Tell us the story yeah, from there. So my daughter and I are uh, we're going to look for uh, rosemary plants. 
And I was telling my daughter, Emily, about the, the podcast and about how they had retired these bears. And she looks at me and we're driving down the road. And she's like, Dad, that was an April Fool's joke. No, it's true. And I'm like, what? No. And she goes, yeah. I'm like, you need, we're, we're driving. I'm like, you need to pull out your phone. Google that right now. I need to see the picture. And she found it. And oh. all I could do is sit in the car and go, oh, oh we were man. marketed to. Ow. We were fooled. Totally. I consider myself impervious to stuff, and I got sucker right in by that. This is why you can't trust marketers. This is why you can't <laughs> trust marketers. And I'm sure a consultant had something to do with it, too. Most likely. Hate but it was it was funny. My daughter just, she just, Emily just looked at me and goes, Dad, that was an April Fool's joke. You know what I'm like, no, it wasn't. And she's like, yeah, here's the picture. Oh, my God. The worst thing is, Daryl, I've been a radio broadcaster for 28 years now. And the one hard and fast rule that I've had is don't believe anything that you see on April 1st. Don't do it as show prep because it's not true. And I fell for it. You did it anyways. I fell for it. Yeah, and you called me silly for ending my maple tree sap production. (laughs) Yeah, we're both not looking good. But the the whole thing is, you know, it's the internet. And it was was a very smart campaign by them. It was, and I think they accomplished the goal. And I really think that the conversation we had around that was an effective one because we were talking about brands that we grew up with and how things changed and stuff. So I guess we got to introduce that, but my goodness. Yeah, it was. A, it was, and we had a conversation about it, and it, was, it, it wasn't just about them. It was about the other ones. Mm-hmm. Did you happen to look into McDonald's and see if you saw Ronald around at all in the last week? Oh, you're feeling good about yourself on this I'm one? feeling real good about yeah. this one. <laughs> no, it's true. I, I, I've done a little bit of ad hoc research on this. Yeah. Uh, now, it depends on the jurisdiction. In in certain parts of the state, that stuff is still the, the clowns and the hamburgers. Also depending on the area of the world. Yes, exactly. Like Kentucky Fried Chicken in Japan, the colonel is still wet alive, and they love this guy. Yep. Like he, they, they, that's a, the biggest brand. One of the biggest brands over there is the fast food from America is Kentucky Fried Chicken. Well, the thing that was brewing the Kentucky Fried Chicken is, is they changed the culture because it's become a tradition to eat Kentucky Christmas. Fried Chicken on Christmas Eve. Yep. Like, like over the top tradition, yep. they completely change the culture. This isn't a culture. I mean, this is a culture with a fantastic culinary history. Yeah, very and, and heavy. Everyone turns to KFC on Christmas, on Christmas Eve. Eve. It's it's the Colonel's got some power over there. Yeah. Right? But it shows you the power of these brands, right? So I believe in the Bears. Yeah. Good. It was a good one. It was a good conversation starter. Sometimes even good conversations are started by misinformation, and that's the great point behind conversations. Well, I mean, it, it's brilliance on their part yeah. because it became you know part of the vernacular, right? Yeah. And something is conversational that because it's such a touchstone. Those things, absolutely. And that's how you win there. So, and that may be why I'm drinking Old Forester. You should have another drink. <laughs> oh, man, I feel like such an idiot. So, so <laughs> it and was funny. I I looked at, I just looked at Emily and I'm like, you need to show me that right now. <laughs> She's and, just laughing. And they just put in an elaborate story afterwards oh. saying, oh, we got you. And I was like, oh, could, just don't tell the world. Yeah. Please please don't tell the world that I for this. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. That's what we do with our lives. So, <laughs> so this this whiskey you're drinking right now, yes, uh, when Beth you. and I went down there, I, I, we talked about this quickly last time I was here. We went down to Kentucky a couple of years ago to see Tool and do a bourbon tour. Mm. And this uh, place has a distillery right in downtown Louisville. And you can walk in the door and you take the tour there. It's the best tour of all the ones we had. For information, you walked in, you could see from womb to tomb how they made womb to tomb, womb to, tomb to see like how that. they make bourbon. They show you where the corn came in. They show you how they mash it. They show you how they ferment it, how it gets distilled. And then they show you how, when it's distilled, how it goes in the barrel. But they show you a cooperage, which is actually a running cooperage. And when it's done, they'll pour whiskey. They'll pour the raw dog, which is basically moonshine, right. into the barrel and seal it. And they'll be like, that barrel will be sold on somebody's store shelves in 14 years. Imagine. A brilliant tour. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah, they, that's really become a thing, right, these these behind-the-scene tours. People get yeah. Because the history is remarkable. When, I mean, just this company, you know, they understand the market they're in. Yeah, and it's especially the history behind a lot of these companies really comes down to uh, what happened during the Depression. Yeah. And when they had uh, what the words escaping me. And you weren't allowed to drink alcohol in the States. Uh, prohibition. prohibition. When they had Prohibition. They were one of only four distilleries, I think it was, in Kentucky that could actually make alcohol for medicinal purposes. Mm-hmm. 
You and do that thing with your fingers for medicinal yeah, purposes. Yeah, well, it was. It was really for medicinal mm-hmm. purposes. But it turns out, like, they, if they had 1 million people living in Ducky at that time, they had 1.7 million scripts for this <laughs> prescription. Right. It was really a, it was a big, big thing down there yep. at the time. But they had, that, like, now, uh, like, if you look at the craft brewers right now, how they're just everywhere. Mm-hmm. And good for them. Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere. But in the States, that's the way it used to be with distilleries, too. And when Prohibition came in, all these places disappeared. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these places like uh, this company, uh, Buffalo Trace, these big companies bought those smaller people out, and they're keeping those whiskeys alive. Right. It's cool, though, that, that people are doing that, right? Yeah. Stepping in and uh, making these things come alive because uh, I appreciate it on an evening recording a podcast. Yeah. have a lovely little slap of bourbon. It really is a nice, it's a nice, nice bourbon to have. Uh, you know, as I take another swig here on the Studio 6201, mm. Wonderful. I want to talk about space. Let's talk about space because we're a bit of space geeks here, right? Oh God, I can talk about space for weeks. All right. So uh, there's a couple of really interesting things going on in space this week. Uh, I'll get into the first one because famously in 1974, uh, we as a human race sent this radio signal out into space. Yes. Uh, contained all kinds of information about us. Uh, was very rudimentary to the time. Well, we live in a much more technologically advanced era now. So the thinking is, let's do it better, and they're gonna they're yeah. gonna throw up a new radio signal, Daryl. So it's here. That's awesome, but they're gonna throw up a new radio signal out of this one. Mm-hmm. There's been 23 radio signals sent up since this time. Right. These are these are radio signals that are actually pointed at specific areas of space where they'll have two or three stars, where they may have rocky planets around them or whatever. They're trying to see if there's anybody there, and it's very focused. Right. Um, and we're trying to send them within a few light years because there's, there's about 10 stars that are within 10 light years of us. And keep in mind, if, if we were to travel, even if we were going to the speed of light, if you go to the farthest one, which is, uh, well, Wolf, uh, there's one that's Wolf, it's four, um, four light years away. It's eight years to get there and back. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a long time, yeah. and that's how long it takes for and radio. We're still to spitballing those distances too. Like they got it yeah. fairly honed in, but it's still a bit of a scatter shot. Well, it? it's and it's the thing is. Unless they have faster than light travel, they get it in four years, and then they have to get here, which means they also have to travel yeah, four years. Sure it's a considerable thing. Well, and the problem was when we did this in 1974, we, our computer skills were incredibly rudimentary. Like they were horrible. Mm-hmm. We, they, for the time, they were great, but they were still, as you said earlier, they're like pixels. And exactly. You saw the picture which they drew with this, exactly. and it was very rudimentary. But there's a lot of problems. How do we know how to communicate with these people? Right. Well, you have to assume a lot of things, right? You have to assume a lot of things. But and so what they did was they assumed that the, if they were intelligent and they had the ability to pick up our radio waves, then they would know what hydrogen, carbon, yeah. uh, nitrogen are. Um, they would know what a because everything we've found so far that's alive has DNA, right? Right, or that's some R- R- RNA or whatever. But it has DNA cycle. So they put DNA in there. They put a a few things in there that could kind of do that. And how do we how do we expand on that? Because right. if somebody's that smart that they can they can collect our radio waves, keep in mind to collect our radio waves, they need almost a planet-sized telescope to catch it. To catch it and then be able to you know interpret it. Right. Right. Because there's a lot of noise out there. That I think that's why this one is being transmitted in binary code. That changes the things a little bit. These these are those lines and zeros everybody talks about. Lines and zeros. <laughs> yeah. It makes no sense to me. Uh, but but this changes the game too, and what we're able to do. Yeah. Right. I mean, we can do so much more with it. Um, the, the new message being sent out is almost three times the size, has almost three times as much information, so it changes the conversation there, too. Right. But right. think about this. You think about how fast our computer skills are changing and about how fast our knowledge is changing and how fast everything we're doing on Earth is changing. Right. By the time this reaches this planet... It'll be antiquated. It'll be antiquated. That's true. We may be already there. Yeah. You know, light speed, although it is a theory that we can we can go faster than that, it's still just a theory. Mm-hmm. But 50 years ago... There was a lot of theories. Like I was talking about this with a friend this week. There was a lot of theories fifty years ago that we looked at, and now we're that's proven. Yeah, like fifty years ago, it didn't True. exist. Like that, that's science fiction. Yeah, that's just paper stuff. Microwave ovens in the forties, right? When I think it was Asimov wrote about them the first time about how they cooked something in an oven that was power. That was that was science fiction. That didn't exist. Mm-hmm. 
So how much will change in the eight to ten years? It's going to take round trip for it to get there. By the way, uh, it took someone's chocolate bar melting in their pocket for us to discover microwave ovens too. So junk food still rules the world. Oh my God! A really? scientist walked by a microwave an and it melted his chocolate in his pocket, and he went, "Well, I wonder if I could turn that into a way to pop popcorn." Not, is that going to kill me? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not how humans work. We no. just go, "Oh, it's a melted chocolate bar." The guy, the guy that the guy that figured out how eyes uh, with laser surgery. Yes. Was Russian, and he shot himself in the face with a laser by accident, and he woke up the next morning, and his eyes were better. His one eye. Boy, I use the expression succeeding in spite of myself. Might be the only <laughs> yeah, that was that. awesome. I read about that. I'm like, oh. And I, I shot I, myself with a laser. I'm oh. hoping it wasn't one of those stories. I read it a few years ago. I've read it a couple times since, so I'm hoping it wasn't one of those stories that is out there that gets spread around. But, yeah, that's apparently how he figured yeah. out that, that a laser will shoot the cones in the back of your eyes and fix yeah. them for you. Those are the origin stories I want to believe in, though. Because me too. Because things happen to me by accident this way. Me too. And when you're dealing with space and stuff, I mean, it's it's all about math and stuff. So <laughs> sort of the, the humanistic part of all of these things is, is well, kind of important as we move into this. And think about the fact that we've had 100 years of radio telecommunications yeah. in the world. And that starts off from the very first Morse code that got transmitted across the ocean. That is out there in the cosmos. And it's doing light speed. And it's going at uh, 164,000 miles per hour or whatever, per second, whatever it is. And it's been out there for 100 years. There's an awful lot of stars within that 100 years. It's true. Now, once again, they still have to have a telescope that can pick this up. Sure. And this is where it becomes a real issue is how I firmly believe there is other beings out in space mm-hmm. but that those beings could be a space scorpion right. or it could be a very advanced there's also a whole bunch of theories about like can civilizations make it past a certain point yeah. like most civilizations all we can think about is there have to be as like us so do they destroy themselves can they get past that and there's a specific name for it and i can't remember what it is but there's there's a point in human nature or in in uh, what we'd consider intelligent life where you destroy yourselves and you don't ever get out of space. Well, there's ample evidence of that around us at all times. We see how self-destructive we can be. I mean, we're looking at, uh, we've been, people have been sloughing off the environmental stuff for years, and boy, that's coming home to roost now. It's fast, too. Like, fast. Right? So keep sloughing off all you want, but you got to, you know, you got to bring the intelligence to this, too. And it's happening really fast. And, you know, you hear people say we shouldn't be going out to space. Yeah, we really should be. We've, We've hurt this planet, and it... It may not come back yeah. to the point where we can sustain human life at the level we have it at right now for very much longer. Well, this is the nature of the space argument right now because it is extremely expensive. I want to get into the cost of, the, of a spaceship at the, in a little <laughs> bit. But the, the argument about the financial end of this is something because, you know, if you look at the totality of inventions, the space race or, this, or NASA, the, the things that they've brought into everyday society through that technology – you can quantify with a price tag. Yes. You like this isn't just some extrapolation. This is we can actually say this and this and this was invented for this purpose, but here's the general mainstream way we're doing it now. There's so many things that you can pinpoint as to why we're able to do what we do now because of a space exploration. Right. The mother of invention has always been like war. Yeah. War is a mother of invention. I also submit laziness to you. Because we wouldn't have indoor plumbing if we we invented I'm, indoor plumbing I'm, because no one wanted to be. Cold. I'm a huge believer in that too. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a huge believer in that. I just don't want to work that hard, so I got to figure out a way to exactly. do it easy. Um, but space is that you know, no. space has given us UV protection for eyesight. It's been able to tell us about radiation. It's been able to tell us about radio communications, even on Earth, and what's happening with our magnetic field. Mm-hmm. You know, some really cool anomalies in space that we we don't even know why they exist. And I was watching one. There's a, a a video podcast that I watched by a guy named Joe Scott, and he did one this week, and there's an anomaly in our atmosphere that allows radiation to come through at a higher rate than it does through the rest of the atmosphere, and it's roughly above Brazil. And it shuts down satellites. They shut down part of the uh, Hubble Tate Space Telescope every time it goes over. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, The radiation's that much higher. Really? And astronauts actually see light sparks in their eyes when they go over this. It's, it's bizarre. Turns out they think it might be when Gaia, which was the planet that we think hit Earth and made it start spinning, we think that is buried under Brazil, might be buried under Brazil, really? that piece. I've heard that and it's theory. changing 
the way our magnetic field in that area works. Because there's uh, there's imperial evidence now that our magnetic field is changing. We there's I looked at uh, there's 75 years of data now that yep. the, sh- the, the fields are shifting. Well, the field has always shifted, Which, yeah, it, and they thinking, and they it's flip flopped. It's been, yeah. there's at sometimes we've had more more norths and souths. Like yes. a, our actual north that we call our north pole is actually the south pole of a magnet. It's not actually the north pole; it's the south pole of a magnet. But we because of the way we look at things, right. but it moves about fifteen. Kilo, some years it moves about fifteen kilometers a year. That magnetic north pole. Yeah. Um. It, it's really bizarre how fast it can move, and it can move. It moves all over the place. So we know it moves. Mm-hmm. The concern is when it flips. Yes. Because I think in the last eighty three million years, it's flipped something like 87 times or something like it's more as ever but every million years or something it flips and the north pole becomes a south pole and it might not be where it is you know the south pole may be in china well if you ask anyone who navigates the north and south pole they'll tell you that's a moving target yeah like right now we can go back in 10 minutes and it could move like it is a moving target up there and down there so it's it's really interesting to find out like and this is how do we figure these things out and if we can find an alien-faring, space-faring race that right. can help us, and, like, do we want to let them know where we live? <laughs> I'm a firm believer that we do. <laughs> well, see, the glint in your eye uh, sustains me in that, see, because I think there's an existential argument with space, too. I believe that it's important for that gleam to be in people's eyes, because the very nature of, of the human race has been what's over the horizon. And I just think that you sometimes it's important to sit under a clear sky, look at that thing, and go, my God, and feel humbled before it. That's the ex- existential nature that space Nothing will us. break your brain more than laying out under a moonless night yeah. and looking up at the stars and saying, what happens when it ends? Yeah. Like, we, we know roughly, we think we know how big space is, but is that our own hubris? It's exactly what it is. You know, it, could it go on and on and we just don't know it? Yeah. Because we measure space by radiation. Because yeah. we can't quantify it. We quantify everything. Right. Right. And radiation, when it's going away from us, it redshifts. Mm-hmm. So when light, go, it, when it's traveling away and it gets farther and farther away, it, it redshifts. And that's how we kind of, uh, depending on where it is on the spectrum, is how far away it is. Yeah. And when it's coming towards us, it blue shifts. So if it's coming toward us, a star will turn more blue. If it's if it's going away, it's red. And we do the cosmic background radiation. We can see, I think, the the, the universe is like 14.7 billion. And by no means am I an expert. So please, <laughs> don't quote. if you know better, <laughs> yeah. tell me. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm happy to listen. Yeah. But we know it's about 14.7 billion. We think it's roughly about 14.7 billion years. But what's on the other side of that 14.7 billion? That's the thing. That's just as far as we can measure. Right. right? Is it? Or we can quantify. Yeah. Because light light at that point is traveling faster. It's actually the speed of light is going faster than the speed of light at that Mm -hmm. point. Exactly. Because it can, because it's relative. Yeah. And people don't understand the speed of light is relative. We could be traveling at the speed of light right now to somebody else. Great. From somewhere else. Yeah. So there may be there may be other civilizations that we'll never see and we won't even ever know about because they're well beyond the speed of light. Mm Mm-hmm. See, but I, I believe it's important to to say that out loud. I think it's important to believe that. Now, I I fall into the camp of I want to believe, like convince me. I haven't seen the evidence that makes me go, yes. Yeah. I mean, but like I, I'm not a disbeliever. I'm just like I, I need I need something. So I've you never know? been a conspiracy theorist. I, I, I know there's conspiracies that are out there that have actually sure. come true and they've actually happened. There's lots of them. Sure. Um, I'm not a big believer that – the vast majority of conspiracy theories are true. Mm-hmm. There's a guy, uh, Area 51 is one of those ones where, as a kid, God, I, it's like the Bermuda, I thought I'd have way more run-ins with the Bermuda Triangle when I was a kid. The, yeah. sa- sa- same as <laughs> same as quicksand. Oh, I thought there was a lot more quicksand when I was a kid. Like, I've, I've never, ever seen quicksand, but it was everywhere. It was in every movie. It was in every cartoon. Quicksand. It's got to be everywhere, right? So the Bermuda Triangle and quicksand were your... Uh, were your oh, yeah. Place. Lost as monster. I was into all those <laughs> things. I was, I've was. i always said it's very, very easy. If if you've ever been a conspiracy theorist of any s- sort and you, you're no longer that way, it's very easy to see how they rope you into stuff oh. like this. You know why conspiracy exists? Because it orders chaos, and yeah. people can't stand chaos. People want to, they can't believe. That kind of makes sense. They so can't, yeah. they can't believe that it's this simple. Yeah, Occam's. Yeah. They just can't believe, they just can't believe it's this simple. It's so, so things that they see that, that are really just, that's all it is. They ha- There has to be some kind of conspiracy behind exactly. it. So there's a guy that used to work at, Air, that says he used to work at Area 51, Bob Lazar. Okay. 
and he's well worth looking into. Like, if you're into this type of thing, you want to learn about it. He was working in Area 51 in the 70s. And when he was working there, they had they found, he said, absolutely, they have the spaceships. He was one of the engineers that was reverse engineering science that was reverse engineering it. And he wrote a book about it. And he had all the things that he saw that were on this spaceship or what they were using at Area 51 at the time, which were so far ahead of anything that we had at this point. So far ahead. And in the last couple of years, the things he was writing about are coming true. There you go. So, like, telling, he was t- he was talking about a machine, they'd walk into the door and they'd put their hand on the light, and the light would measure their bone density, and that's how they would tell who you were, because you can't change bone density yep. in a human. That's so true. You put, so now they actually have a machine. Markers. You can do that now. But he drew about that in the 70s and said, we're using this thing right now. And, and everybody's like, you're insane. That's not happening. He's like, yeah, there it is. There it is. It's right there. Really? And now people are like, oh, yeah. it's." Oh. How can you believe that guy, though? I mean, just because of his position. And I'm not doubting. I'm just being the devil's advocate on this. Because, again, see, this is where the I want to believe comes in. But, I mean, I've always said, like, this, all these people kept the secret? That's a little difficult. I, I, I don't think it is. Okay. I all don't think these it. years? Sure. Sure. It's not that hard. You have a very specific area, right? It's not like this it's not like landing on the moon. Uh, very you, you can landing on the moon, faking that is like something when people say that, I just look at them and I, I I get a cloudiness over my eyes and it's like you're gonna believe it. I just can't talk to you about it. Um it's such a small area and they have such a firm grasp on everybody that works in there. Like you can't drive there. You have to go to Vegas. You have to go to a private airfield in Vegas, and you got to get a, on a in, the or, in order to get to Area Fifty One. You have to get up, and this is well documented. You have to get on a plane that's blacked out. So you get on the plane. It flies low. You're not allowed to have radar in the area. They make sure if you if you stand on one of the hills hills nearby, they actually they have guards, armed guards all over the place. So why are they like they hide it very well? They really do hide it very well. So that's not a, that's for me. That's not enough. Because they hide lots of things well. Right. But if they can hide all that and you don't know who's on those planes and you don't know what they have there, because there's never been a report of what they have there except for the fact they have spaceships. But you have, oh, yeah, we did some B-52 testing there. Yeah. We did some, uh, what were the Blackbirds? The, yeah. the yeah. We did some yeah, of those the testing. fighters in the Gulf War that came through. Yeah. So, you know, this Barb Lazar, and he, the, thing that, the thing that always got me about him was he never got into it for fame. He wrote the book and he disappeared. Hmm. And you can find him. You can find him if you want to, but he doesn't want to talk to you about it. Right. <laughs> he doesn't want to tell you about it. He doesn't want to discuss what he saw there. He's very, very private. He did it so he didn't get killed. And he said, I, I wrote the book so I didn't get killed. That's quite the statement right he there. He goes, I wanted, to come out and s- I wanted to come out so that they couldn't disappear me. Right. And now they can't disappear me. He goes, but I still have people... When they were doing the filming and stuff, it's well worth watching the documentary. Because even right. when I was watching it, I'm like, whatever. Because yeah. I heard about it from an, uh, a podcaster that I won't name because I just don't like him. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm going to watch this. And I watch it. I'm like, oh, that's kind of curious. That's really neat. Because there's a whole bunch of things they talked about that were in the book that are now coming out that we that we never, like, they're like, look, we invented. Yeah. You know what my problem always is, is that I've, I mean, we see human nature every day now because of social media, and people cannot keep their mouths shut. Now, I understand it was a little different back then because, you know, you, you know, protecting the country from the threat was a little more thing, but that's always a thing that gets in my brain. Because that think about many people have kept their mouths shut about that. You think about, like, the Tuskegee air experiments, mm-hmm. the experiments on the... That's a good the, example, actually. You can counter that. Uh, you know, yep. you look at all the, the LSD experiments that went on for decades. Yeah, but those weren't secret, though. Oh, they were very secret. Well, they were they were secret to the population. They weren't secret in the halls of government. No, those were very much talked about. No, but nobody in the population knew about it. Fair enough. So are they Area Fifty One's not being talked about in the in the halls of government. Yeah. Whereas that stuff would have been. So the thing I always found intriguing, and I don't, I'm not a big fan of Trump, but he came out and he said, "You need to release all the information you have on UFOs," yeah. and suddenly all these world governments came out and said, "Yeah, they're real. Yeah, they're right. flat out real." We have, here's the videotape. Look at all the videotapes we have of these things. Where do they come from? Yeah. Um, I once spoke to an Air Force pilot that said, he said, about about 2% a year are things we can't explain. Everything else is It's off. totally explainable. Yeah. Uh, but s- 2%. Uh, ice in the sky. This is, a, this is a fighter pilot, a Canadian fighter pilot that runs for NORAD. 2%. 2%. It's a lot. That's it's a, a lot. high number. That's a very high it's number. It's a high number. 
So is it true? Like, you know, I, this is what I'm – so what I'm really interested about with space – I love space. I, I just – I everything – you put it in front of me. If it does – I'm reading it. The James Webb Telescope. Have you been watching what they're doing with it's, this damn thing? It's, this thing is remarkable. Remarkable doesn't pictures, cover the words. Like when you saw Hubble, I thought, okay, that's a movie set. You see these, oh. and it's like – Hundred times. You look at what, what we did with Hubble, and I was like, "Oh my God, that's incredible!" Now James Webb—it's not even cold enough to take the pictures. Out. The machinery on the James Webb is so sensitive that if they tried to take a picture with it right now, the specific one they're trying to use, right, it would show up overprocessed because it's too hot. It's at minus two hundred and eighteen. It's got to be at minus two twenty-two or minus two forty-four. Map on that must be incredible. I can't even. But, oh but I watched that. I watched it. I cheered. I was sitting in the living room. My wife saw me. I was sitting in the living room. Like, I almost cried. Like, oh, my God, they got it off the ground. <laughs> and I watched the day they launched it. I'm like, okay, just get it up to space. Okay, they got it up to space. Awesome. Now, okay, release the front, the first stage. They release it. Okay, that's great. Now, Did you hear the angels singing? Oh, oh I, that was me. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> and, I, and the whole time, I'm like, okay, now they're going to do this. Oh, it worked. Oh, now they're going to do this. And every day, I had that on my computer. I have two monitors at home, and I had okay. one of them open to that the entire time. It's incredible. And Every time they were doing something, I didn't care what time of day or night it was. I was waking up. I was going to watch them. And you can't see it because they don't have cameras on it. Because they don't have cameras on it because the cameras put off too much heat. Really? And they're going to throw off that camera. That's That's incredible. A camera in space that is well below zero is going to throw off too much heat. So the very first picture of the star they took was stunning. And all you could see, this star, they had a, they always had a hard time getting a picture of it, but they have they know what it's supposed to be. That's a very good benchmark. But they took a picture of it, and they sent it out. And they're like, look at all the galaxies we didn't know existed behind that star. And they were clear. Like, there's a galaxy. That didn't exist Amazing. in any picture before that. Yeah. that and they're, they've already said, NASA's flat out come out said, this is going to last longer. It's going to run longer. And we've already learned more off it than we ever thought we would. It's remarkable. It's this. It's this thing that we only imagine, and it's exceeding our imagination. It's the intelligence behind the people that figured this out. It's the intelligence incredible. they figured out. You know what? You know what L two is? No, I do not. L two is an area of uh, gravitational anomaly, okay. and that's where it sits. It sits at L two. Okay. And L two is it. It sits out there by the moon. Like it f- sits out farther than the moon. The moon's two hundred fifty thousand miles. They're at a million miles, but this gravitational anomaly will keep it in line with the moon so it can't see the sun. Hmm. And it's a very specific spot. And we have a whole bunch of spots. that we, I think we have three of them, three different L zones that will you can put a satellite in and it won't circle Earth, but it'll stay with Earth, like almost like a riptide following it. Wow. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I, can't, I, I have four or five people that are really smart that I know. And I'm like, I, need, to have smart I actually need you. to talk to somebody in space. I need, I need, I need to know, and these people, they want nothing more than to talk to you about their jobs, which I totally get. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. can you tell me? I look at uh, the 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 sun and all the planets and everything you see; they're all on the same level. Is that actually true? No. Let me explain this to you, and they'll tell you where the planets are rotated, and this and this one flips backwards, and this one's doing sideways. And I'm like, well, how does the gravity work? Like, how do they keep it? So I, like, I know what geostationary orbit is, but geostationary orbit, it, go, it goes around the Earth, so it circles. Well, the L2, it doesn't circle the Earth. It just stays way out there. Really? At a million miles, and it follows the Earth. And the, it's, uh, the Earth or the moon is always in the way. This is the first time hearing of this L2. Oh, my God. Now so, I'm curious. It's so cool. And they have these, like, they have those, <laughs> these shields that, so that the, the satellite is the telescope's always pointing out towards space. Okay. And they have these five shields that are as thin as a human hair. Wow. The size of either a tennis court, yeah, tennis court. And they were f- they had to fold them out, five layers. And each layer wow. makes it colder and colder and colder. So the first layer is like at 200 degrees when the sun's out, yeah. 200 degrees above zero. Yeah. And it dissipates the heat to the point where it gets to minus 244 between these four shields. Oh. I'd be the poor guy with the air bubble. I'd be trying to get the air bubble between the layers. <laughs> that was what could you, could you imagine be. being the guy packing that up at NASA no, no, and going, please no. unfold, please unfold, yeah, please exactly. unfold, please unfold. <laughs> Someone opens the window and a breeze comes in. You're like, I, no. Yeah, you hear people say it costs no. $10 billion. Like, that's a lot of money. They're unfolding four, five football, five tennis fields of mylar that's thinner than a human hair. That's incredible. And they're trying not to rip it. 
Amazing, amazing. I can't even get it out of a. I can't get tinfoil <laughs> out of a roll. Saran wrap. And screaming like ripped. <laughs> These guys are good. Yeah. Uh, I want to revisit the uh, the the uh, signal we're sending out for a minute because I thought it was the one failing that they've done here is so uh, with with the binary code. There's lots of information, including they're depicting humans as stick figures. <laughs> I just I would like to object to this for the the awkward moments it'll be when they open the bay door and they go, "Wow, those aren't stick figures." Uh, I'm just happy that <laughs> can I'm we do better than that? I'm finally going to look skinny for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> they, it all worked out in the end for you. Uh, yeah. Uh, I also wanted to bring this into it because I, I'm going to surprise you with this a little bit, and you're going to have to do some math for me. Because um, the conversation about going out into space mm-hmm. and how we're going to do that is a, a huge monetary question. Insane. So I, I was reading this thing the other day. Uh, one of the greatest uh, you know, science fiction things is a, is a Starship Enterprise. The people, sure. You know, this is the thing people love. They know who it is, even if you're not a Star Trek fan. So the question was, how much would that cost to build nowadays? And it was all over the number. But then I came across this thing that helps us do this because SpaceX, uh, Musk's, Musk's company, Starship, is, or they're building a Starship right now. Right. And they're working under the premise that it's $2 million per metric ton construction cost. And again, a made-up thing, but a galaxy-class Starship that the Enterprise was, was 4.5 billion metric tons. So at $2 million a metric ton... <laughs> That is a lot of money, right? But you're also and, and we yeah. and that is and we're assuming that technology is already being created because there's tech that needs to be created that doesn't exist. Yeah, yet. well, and that's what Elon Musk is working towards. Exactly. No matter how much of a jerk Elon Musk can be, he's 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 done. He's doing he's genius. something. He's he's doing something. Arse. He, yeah, genius. yeah, he's doing something incredible with SpaceX. Yeah. He really is doing something incredible with SpaceX. Yeah. And the thing is, they know they need an orbital platform that can refuel the ships. Yeah. They know once they get the ships out there, if they can get them out there. So the whole one of the problems we have is how do you reuse these ships? Exactly. NASA always had this problem. How do we they because every one of their ships was throwaway. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter. Yep. So Elon Musk was able to get uh it was I think the first space missions were three or four million dollars a pound to get somebody into space. Incredible. And he's able, he's been able to get it down to like eleven thousand dollars a pound because he's remarkable. reusing the rockets. Yeah, well, that was that's where they have changed the game, right? So the rocket he's building right now, right? Um, the, and the we're not Starship th- One. Yeah, the Starship One, not the Falcon. The Falcon Nine's mm-hmm. already well landing. They have one that's landed twelve times now and reused. The savings they're making on that is just astronomical. So the Starship One will launch from Earth, will get into space, will go to the moon. Land, take off, come back, and land again on Earth. Mm-hmm. And it's got a, it's the fuel to once you get into space, the fuel is nominal. Well, once you figure out what that fuel is, we don't know what that fuel is yet. Well, for, for that's the one first of the things they're talking about here. Fuel right now is still a theory in open space. Right. So for now, the, we're talking about the fuel of what they're using was gar- a kerosene oxygen mixture. Yes. Right. They're gonna go. They have to carry all that fuel. To get and this is where it gets expensive, to launch from Earth, to get to space, get to the Moon, land on the Moon. They still have to carry all that fuel, fuel to land on the Moon, which isn't that much. To land on the Moon and take off from the Moon isn't that much. Mm-hmm. But then they have to start from a stationary orbit, and they have to get back to Earth, which takes a bit of fuel. And the big part is, how do they slow down the rocket to land on the planet? So, what they're trying to do is build orbiting gas stations, that so they can shoot it off. It's up there, and it's full of gas. Yeah. just sits up there. So they shoot off a nominal amount of gas, just enough to get into orbit, because that's the hard part. Getting into orbit is the hardest part. Yep. The most fuel consumption, the most engineering, everything. Just the most danger, the everything exactly. else. There's a really, actually, there's a really good special on, I think it's on Netflix right now that my wife and I watch the other night on Elon Musk and SpaceX and what he's doing with this. It's a really, really good show. Um, but once you get it up there and you have those orbiting platforms with gas, then it becomes considerably cheaper to get to the moon. The moon is full of stuff we can mine. That was the next point I was going to make, because the point of getting to the moon is not so much to build a station there, which is a plan, but it's to start mining stuff. Yes. Explore that, the minerals and the fuel that's there. Don't don't fool yourself. You've seen that. I don't know if you've seen, and I'm not saying you're fooling yourself. <laughs> I do repeatedly. I don't know if you've seen them land on those uh, asteroids. I... 
have they landed on an asteroid? Have there, is there a video of it? They've landed on a couple of them. I know that they have, but I don't know if I've seen video of that. Yeah. Really? It's pretty okay. flipping awesome. Yeah, it's, listen, I remember when SpaceX landed their first rockets. I was in the, uh, I've worked at like all the men in the room were like, oh my God, yeah. it's a big moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tears. Yeah, absolutely. So that must be remarkable on an asteroid. I saw that Bruce Willis movie. But why do you think they want to land on asteroids and comets? Well, because I'll tell you, apparently there's a there's an asteroid out there that they figure is worth about $4 trillion in minerals. Yes. There is. And Gold, this is a big iron. Thing. The world court right now has a case in front of it because what's being argued mostly by Russia right now, as a matter of fact, is that your borders of your country extend into space. Yeah, which is stupid. But this is the, the legal argument they're making because what they want to do is because the, who gets the rights to mine? And yeah. they're saying if it passes through my atmosphere, I get it. I get it. The hubris of man. Is, yeah. <laughs> Yes, actually, usually hubris. Hubris of man. Yeah. And th th this is the problem with the moon. And there's been, uh, I think, and I may be mistaken here, but I, I think I was watching, um, oh, my God, I can't believe I can't remember his name because I've actually gone and seen him in, in a sh at a show. Oh, Blanken, uh, middle-aged Blanken guy. He's an astrophysicist from the States, very well known. Uh, Tyson, uh, Tyson, yeah. Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. And he Great came out and somebody voice. said, how come we haven't been to Mars yet? And he goes, because nobody else is. And they're like, what do you mean? He goes, if if we thought China or Russia was going to go to Mars, they're already. we're going to be there in three months. Yep. And we will put every single dollar through. Yep. We have to plant the flag first. Yep. Doesn't mean we're going to take it over. It just means we have to be able to say, wait. We have to be able to justify it right nowadays. Like you need, like it's easy to compete and, yeah. and get that fervor built. Yep. And so that's where the next argument's going to be. I love space. I, I, I so wish I had gone into astrophysics or something. Really? Like that. I don't know if I'm smart enough. I school and all that other stuff and all the things that were happening in my life back then. I, I don't know if I ever had that. Right. But I've met I've met several um, rocket scientists and yeah. had conversations with them. Uh, when I was cave diving in Florida, I met a few of them, and it was just bizarre talking to them it's, and them telling me, okay, this is how we made – at that point, we were just flying the, the space shuttles. And I met one from Texas, and he's like – we're sitting on the side, and he goes, just before we pop into the water to go for a cave dive, he goes, by the way, we're running out of helium. Puts his mask on and falls in the water, and I'm like, what? Wait, 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 come back here. We go do the dive, and he come, we come out, and I said, explain this to me. So he explained to me how we get helium, and we're running out of it. We're not running out of dirty helium. That's there's lots of dirty helium. We're running out of clean medical grade helium, which you need for space stations and stuff like that. You need it for MRI machines, and we're running out of it. And I've been telling people for years. This is what the scientist told me, and they're like, "Yeah, he's a nut bar." Well, Two years ago, <laughs> here we are. We're running out of helium, and I'd asked him at the time. I'm like, "Well, can't you store it? Can't we siphon it off and store it?" He goes, "Sure, we can, but it's helium, and nothing's going to hold it in. Yeah. We can stop it from going out." at a fast pace, he goes, but if you put it in a big steel chamber and, and totally seal it off, it's still going to find a way out through the holes in the steel. Gas. Really? That's what it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's remarkable, right? All these uh, little things you got to think about. I love talking to people like that. They're so <laughs> smart. <laughs> so, makes me so sad that I'm not that smart. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you a story about them, though. Uh, this will make you feel better about it because a couple years back, uh, I uh, when I was at the radio station, I hooked up an interview with a Canadian that was going into space. Right. Uh, so I ha was doing an interview with him. He was over in the Ukraine. Imagine I'm getting ready to launch over there. Uh, and I was working at our country station at the time. And we used to have these uh, wind stickers, right? So I wanted him to put the wind sticker on his guitar case. So I sent them the wind sticker, shipped it over to Ukraine. cost me a fortune to get it over there. Yeah. So, long story short, I mean, it goes into the scientists, the payload specialists, who are like the smartest of the smart math. Like, we're talking like, make my ears bleed just talking about them. So, and everything that goes on a, into a payload has to be accounted for. So, this, this sticker had to be accounted for in the weight. So, they went and put it on a scale, and someone went, well, we have to take the backing off it because that won't be on it. They took the backing off and they put it sticker down on the oh scale. Oh my god! <laughs> Somewhere in the Ukraine, there's a, there's a scale that shows you that math and science <laughs> in space sometimes are not that clever. <laughs> That's awesome. That the best. I can totally see that. You know, imagine they, they they sent me a picture of them all these just stupid looks on their face, <laughs> like oh I can't believe we did that. <laughs> That's so, awesome. you know, we think they're smart, but yeah. sometimes they're really, really human. Yeah.
Uh, I love a good conversation about space. That was a lot of fun. I do. My space, I, I could literally talk about for weeks on end. I And I'll never get bored of it. Yeah. Well, I think the way that the world is moving, we're going to be talking about this a lot over yeah, the next little I while. Hope Studio so. 6201. Uh, Old Forester is making a go by nice, too. This yeah. has been a wonderful beverage this evening. They have a, several different uh, expressions of this, too. And there's one called... Uh, birthday wishes i think or the birthday bourbon oh yeah and it's so good yeah but it's hard to get is it hard to get yeah some bourbons oh, in canada they're really hard to get and, and every province has their well, i don't think every province does but most of them have an lcbo type situation right. and uh, our lcbo really limits what you can drink so well they really pick for you don't they yeah and it's one or two people going i don't like that we're not exactly. bringing it in where everybody else is like wait a minute mm-hmm. there's a few alcohols my wife and i really enjoy and if we have friends go to the States, like, are you picking up bottles? No. Can you grab this for me? There's lots we'll of great people out there with great product. They just can't get it into those streams. That very would hard. blow your mind. Yeah, very and hard. Affordable, you know, I mean, mainstream stuff, but just it's a, it's a, it's tough to get into that thing. Yeah, LCBO is the biggest buyer of alcohol in the world. Mm-hmm. There's nobody else bigger. It's true. Uh, because you want to know why? Corporate profits. Yeah. <laughs> There's a transition There's for you. There's a segue. Exactly. Because <laughs> I want to get into this because um, – now, you're a businessman, so I think you and I might butt heads on this one a little bit. This is going to be an interesting uh, conversation. Here. You might be surprised. I'm a, I'm, I may be a businessman, but I've, my <laughs> life has changed a lot in the last You've changed thir- in the last 30 years. My life has really changed, and there's a lot of things I'm not really happy with in right. the way we do capitalism, and it's broken. Uh, and I think it's time to shine some light on some of this yeah. stuff because uh, so last week the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives. Uh, was theorizing about the rate of inflation here in Canada because yeah. everyone's so quick to blame this on government, right? It's just because us and this, blah, 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 but it's not the case. Yep. Okay, it's part of the case. It absolutely is part of it. But there's also this interesting thing. So they uh, sat down, did some calculations. Uh, so they basically they looked at uh, Stats Canada gave a 6.2 percent inflation rate for the average household expenditures of 93,000 a year, which is what it was in 2019. Right. Okay, uh, 14.98 million households recorded on that census, these numbers. And they did this whole, and again, math makes my ears bleed, so I'm not the authority in <laughs> this, but they found that 26% of today's higher inflation can be attributed directly to corporate profit. And this is the thing that's bugging me. We've talked about this in the show already. Yeah. I, poor Loblaws, we keep slamming Loblaws here. <laughs> but they slam put their, any. They put their business out. Right? They put their business out there, so I think they're okay with me talking about them. But you can, like you, on a Tuesday saying you're going to raise price for inflation, and then on Thursday pay your dividends and get your yeah. bonuses out. And 26 percent. Again, that's that's a, that's a very easy math to say out loud. It's a little more complicated than that, but that's a big thing. It really is, and and I would. We were always brought up. We lived through the inflation of the 70s and 80s and the really super huge. uh, I remember mortgages were 20%, 18%. People were throwing keys on the table. Yeah, my first mortgage was 8.9%. And it really turns out that inflation isn't caused by people. Inflation is caused by corporations raising their their profit. There's a couple of really good people I follow on Twitter and a few other news things. And there really isn't a food shortage. No, this there wheat, isn't. This wheat shortage that we have isn't actually is non-existent. Um, the meat shortage that we seem to have is really non-existent. The fact that w- the the fact that meat is going up in price, our protein costs are going up so much, is non-existent. Farmers aren't getting paid more. Mm-hmm. It's just the corporation that's slaughtering the animal and bringing it to market. Well, we saw the story come out about Tyson, Tyson today. This is ridiculous what they've done. Yeah, and they're all doing it. It's, it's not even, they're colluding, and they're just flat out coming out and colluding. And, and there's nothing, it. Yeah, like, what are you going to do, about, you gonna it? do about it? You know, when they come out and they say they've re- they made over a billion dollars this quarter. Yeah. A billion. A That's profit. In the quarter. In the quarter. A billion dollars in profit in the quarter. And but. they raised their prices today to cover the cost of inflation. I mean, excuse my language, but shut up. A billion dollars. What do you think I am? Right. It's when I said this last week with the Loblaws, they can lower their prices. Yes. Every one of these companies can lower their prices, but they have a fiduciary duty to their shareholders. And until shareholders come out and say, I don't want that money, it's never going to happen. The problem is 97% of the shareholders are 1% of the people. Exactly. I, this is the thing that bugs me. I, when it, people say shareholders, I think they envision like a gymnasium full of old people yeah. protecting your pensions. That's not what it is. I really want to make something very, very, very clear here, though, because I took a lot of abuse when I had my business. I took a lot of abuse from a lot of people about being a business owner, and I still do from people online uh, abusing 
because you're a business owner and they it's very easy to throw out a blanket statement of business owners. Yes. Look no, at that is small true. business owners are not ripping you off. Uh, we're talking about corporations. Most of them here. are not surviving barely. They're they're bringing a little bit of money and the ones that are making money good for them. Yeah. That's what you get into. You get into so you can make money and you can profit. Mm-hmm. But uh, the profits are really slim in a small company because we don't have the buying power of a big company. But we still get ostracized and demonized by much of the public for being a business owner. That is true. And, and th- we shouldn't unfair. be doing that. It's not fair. And we do it consistently, and it's hurtful. And it's some of the, these people are your neighbors. Their kids hang out with your kids, and you'd look at them, and you, you look right at them and go, business owners are screwing the world. Yeah. No, we're not. Yeah. Corporations are raping the planet exactly of not right. just of the stuff we have, mm-hmm. but the things we don't have, money. You know, they're they're we're running out of glass. We're running out of, we're running out of usable wood in a lot of areas. Uh, the sand to make glass. We're actually we're having a hard it's time a big finding story it right now. There's not it's enough used, sand in the world. Uh, it's crazy to think it, about, but it's, it's true. And it's because it's a very specific Fair style enough. of sand. But we're using it all. Mm-hmm. We're destroying it. We're using it all. Um, and this is a real problem for me. I have a real problem with a company like Exxon coming out and going. Well, for a case in point, for the first time in my life, I was able to, over the last couple of years, I was able to buy stocks in the company. I'm happy that I'm making the money, but the amount of money I'm making on some of them is ridiculous. ridiculous. I had, I woke up one morning and looked at my bank account, and one of the stocks I bought paid me out $8 a share because they had too much money. They had too much money, so they, sh- they split it between their shareholders. See, this, this I didn't is do where anything. I didn't do exactly. anything for that money. This is where they, they, they're, they're leaving the road on people because, for starters, the average person in the street doesn't know that, right? Yeah. They're just confronted by information about something like, like a big quarterly profit. So I don't think they understand how bad this problem really is, right? Because you're absolutely right because this is not, this is not mom and pop doing this. No, and I'm not part of the 1%. Right? I just had some extra money. And I was able. To, I had a you couple. You're supposed to do. I had a couple extra thousand dollars, and instead of leaving. By the way, if you have a couple extra thousand dollars in your bank account just sitting there, don't leave it in your bank account. Invest it in something. Make it work put it, for you. Put it in a TFSA. Put it into a REIT. There's a lot of them out there that will give you monthly dividends and pay you. Yeah. Banks don't give you any interest on your money whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest ripoff because they take your money and they use it to invest and make more money off it. It's not like they keep your money in in a safe there and go, oh, that's Jack's money. Yeah. They take your money and they put it in a big pool and they buy $50 million worth of shares every day. Yeah. But let's also remember that the banks are the big corporations too. Absolutely. Right. So the dividends this year are crazy. It's ridiculous. And the Canadian government, we have we have really good rules in Canada for our banks. Our banks are really well controlled. But they still are pulling billion dollar profits in quarters. When they had when COVID struck, the government came out and said you have to you have to hold more back. And have to didn't. hold it back. No, they did. Well, they did on paper, but they did like they always said. They remember they said they paused mortgages. Ask t- ask someone who tried to get their. They mortgage always put boards. it on paper. Everything's easy That's on not paper. Not what really happened. Yeah, but they had to have enough money. They had to sh- they had to keep enough money so that they could, if something did happen and people had a, ru- had a run in the banks. Yep. And they increased it. They I can't remember. They said ten percent. You had to put ten percent. You had to keep ten percent more in the bank. Right. And now that they don't have it, they're like, can we just pay out people? Can we just give that to our shareholders? And no. And no, it's and no. they're going to. Yes, and exactly instead of instead of lowering rates for people, instead of doing the ridiculous thing of you know, hey, let's not charge an overdraft fee, because it's or charge me a ten cent one instead no. of a twenty five cent one zero, Re- oh, which I'm fine to, but I'm willing to compromise on that. I'm not. Okay, I love it. Yeah, I am not. Okay, I haven't had an overdraft fee since I made money. Really? Who has an overdraft fee, Chris? Yeah, that's true. People who have, have overdraft money. that live in the overdraft. Right, and who's it hurting? People okay, I'm gonna overdraft. get I'm gonna get charged a twenty five dollar fee to have overdraft on my account. Yeah, we all make mistakes. I've made mistakes. My wife's made mistakes, and it's sure. like shit. I have a twenty five dollar yep. overdraft fee yep. this month. Yep. But let's say somebody's broke, yep. and they have a twenty five dollar overdraft fee because they had to feed their kids. Right. How is that helping? If anything, it hurts them. And that's and a real thing. That's happening a lot around us. It's so much. And fees for writing checks and fees for yes. depositing money and fees for using the bank machine and fees. Why do I get dinged for using a damn bank machine? Shouldn't get dinged at all. What is that? What? Where's the human plant end of that? Yeah. That there's a fee extrapolated from. The overdraft, fee, the overdraft fee on bank accounts is criminal. Flat out criminal. Right. And it should be made criminal. It should be. It should flat out be no overdraft fees. We're going to give you one, but you have a limited amount, and when you use it, good for you. We realize you need it, but yeah. you got to put it back in. Yeah. 
And if they don't, if you don't, the bank that made $17 billion, I'm pretty sure you can afford that $18 that person left out. Right. Right? Exactly. And this is my problem. So you have these huge corporations that are making so much money, and they're not giving their employees raises. Nope. They're not paying anymore. Not professionally developing them. So so there's a guy in the States that started up a new credit card company several years ago, Jack. Jack. I can't remember his last name. Good old Jack. Jack is good old Jack, actually. Good old Jack. He, so what he did was a few years ago, he actually lowered his wage right. down to, I think he's the top money maker in his company, mm-hmm. but like by a dollar. And he took all of his extra money that he made, which was millions, and raised all of his employees' payrolls. So they all made way more money. And they gave them all profit sharing and more time off. And the company's doing fantastic. The company's doing Absolutely fantastic. Hasn't lost an employee in years. Everybody loves working for the guy. He comes out all the time and put jewels up. He's like, you know, as a business owner, you know how you gave that 5% raise? Yeah. 5% raise this year? Yep. You have actually lowered your employee's actual take-home income because 5% doesn't cover right. the rate of inflation right no, now. Which is sitting about 7%. Yeah. And it's going to go under, up. Just under seven. Is it seven? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly so what it is six, right now. Seven, I think, is what yeah. it is right now. But yeah, but even at five percent raise, you you're actually f- you're further behind. Yep. H- how do true. we how do we justify this? Plus, you're also endangering yourself into another tax bracket. Yeah. Right? Oh, that like, happened to me when I was a kid. You get a better pay, and all of a sudden, like, why am I making less money? The whole fact we were we were I was working at Woodbridge Foam, and we had uh, we had just brought in the union. And we got a raise, which was good. It was substantial. We were all happy with it. We got our first checks, and there were $20 less than we were making the week before. And it was like, really? Yeah. And that's when I learned about tax brackets. I was young. Yeah. I was like in 19 or 20, and it was just kind of like, really? Yeah. And the that whole, you'll get it back in April, isn't a good argument in February. Or sorry, no. in October <laughs> when you're down When your you're paycheck. 19, you're still trying to buy forks. Yeah, exactly. At and dollar stores that are no longer exist. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, corporations bother me. Yeah. Uh, they don't bother me. I understand the point behind them. I understand the, many of the reasons why we have them and, and in some cases why they're really good. But we've, we've allowed them to become something they shouldn't be. Yeah. They're yeah. monstrous. They're evil yeah. Younger in many Chris ways. Younger Chris never would have advocated the breaking up of corporations. But older Chris kind of, you know, thinks, you know, like you're not pulling your end here. And if you're not going to do this, like let's look at what's happening with like telecommunications in Canada right now. They keep saying, oh, yeah, we're going to make this affordable. Oh, by the way, this month it's going to be five more dollars. You know, yeah. like they, well, Netflix. Hey, what are you doing? Netflix did that. Right. Netflix has gone up this month. My wife and I are looking at things and we're like, what can we get rid of? Right. We got rid of cable years ago. Like we mm-hmm. were very early adopters of getting rid of cable because we, this is the whole going to the whole back. We don't watch TV at home with the marketing and stuff like that. But now we're looking at it and... Fine, I got sucked in by the bears. Bring it up again. So did I. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you, you look at you look at that and now Netflix, which was seven ninety nine when we started, is I think $20 this month. So in 10 years, it's more than doubled. Remarkable. But we also, Remarkable. Have, we also have YouTube that we do a lot of watching on. That's gone up. Mm-hmm. We also have uh, a radio app that we use. That's gone up. And... We have Prime, and that's gone up. And I'm like, now I'm. Uh, at what point are we right back to cable again? Yeah. What's when? Where's the feasibility on this? Right. Me? So, how do we get rid of that? I, I I already hate Amazon, and we buy from it a lot. Because frankly, Chris, I can't buy eighty percent of the stuff I buy on Amazon from a local company that's local. That's a discussion for Wal- another time. Walmart's not local. Yeah. Home no, Depot no. is not local. No. None of those stores are local. And when sure. I can buy it off Amazon. And they strangle. They've strangled why, that. Why shouldn't I buy it off Amazon then? Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy my food locally. Yep. You know, I have a local farmer around the corner from me that I'll buy from as soon as he opens back up. Mm-hmm. If I can find, if they had a small green go- grocer nearby, I'd buy from them. Right. But, you know, my meat I buy off the butchers in Oshawa. Mm-hmm. Those things I buy. Exactly. But underarm deodorant? Yeah. Yeah. If I, I can get it delivered to my door for a dollar less than I can buy it at Walmart for, why do I care what Walmart makes? Exactly. By the way, I got a maple syrup guy if you need him. <laughs> Here's another statement Hope he didn't for you. stop his trees too early. <laughs> Fine, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Bring up the trees yeah. again. Uh, the CCPA report we were talking about, uh, total corporate expenses grew by 120 se- $120.7 billion between 2019 and 2021. 
total corporate revenue grew by a greater of $152 billion. This is where the 20% is coming from. That's insane. I mean, I mean you can't, you, like, they're not even bothering to hide that number. They're just saying, yeah, it's true. Sorry about that. Yeah. They're not even saying sorry about that. So let's, let's just say, because my argument has always been, we have to find a way to convince business that a dollar profit is just as good as $3 profit because that extra $2 can save your workforce, yep. change the world. And there just doesn't seem to be those kind of arguments because what we're seeing here, it's, it's a blatantism. It's like they're. It's not that they're not accountable. It's just that there's. What's the mechanism for accountability? Because I still got to go buy my Frito Lays. Yeah. Well. Or my underarm deodorants or my gas. There's very specific laws that are in place, and until we change those laws yes. and we force those laws to be different, one of the laws is that it's required that a corporate officer is supposed to do everything they can for the company to make as much money as they can. Which you know what, I get. And I'm not against that. I am. That's where, that's where it got us to this. Okay. Because it doesn't have anything. You don't think we need a little bit of that? Do you not think that no. drives Greed? development? Greed has never helped anybody. Look at unmitigated. Gordon Gecko will say different. Un, I know. And he was wrong. And he was wrong. Un, unmitigated greed. Well, there, that's. And that's, what we're, that's that. what we're at that's, right now. That's exactly. That's unmitigated fantastic. greed. It's just, it's just greed for greed's sake. Yeah. We need to build into our corporations. Let's call it what it is. Let's call it greed. With a civic duty in mind, which is the way it used to be. It used to be that way. In, for a very, after the wars, after World War One and World War Two, corporations in the states were taxed heavy. Well, in 1992, when the U.S. passed the Citizens United ruling, which basically was the foundation of making corporations people, because now, let, let's face it, the states drives monetary policy around the world. Absolutely right. Uh, and if that's and if, and if you're seed of all of that. They're saying that the corporations have the same right as you or I. Yep. You know, once that argument is made, that's that's the ball out of the box because that could be applied to anything. It's wrong. Yep. But when you have it become the law of the land, this is why we see unmitigated corporate greed. There was there was corporation owners, business owners, that built when they had extra money, they built libraries. Mm -hmm. The the United that's States exactly government right. never built libraries. That's right. They were. Uh, some of the Rockefellers, mm -hmm. they built a ton of libraries. All every one of those libraries has got their name on the front of it. It was built by these big corporations. Well, they built the infrastructures of the towns they lived yeah. in. They developed those towns. A really good story, if you ever really want to get into it, Please. is how whiskey built most of the infrastructure in Canada for roads. Really? What yep. so they could get the bootleggers across them? No, you got to get the wheat to the distiller. There you go, eh? And you make a lot of money off whiskey before the government taxed the hell out of it. You made a lot of money off whiskey. It only it only costs in grain for a homemaker to make a bottle of whiskey about 80 cents. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, take a big corporation that's buying it way, way cheaper than you are yeah. and doing it on a grander scale, right? It's not even costing that. It's the taxes. So I think uh, I think spirits, hard spirits are taxed at something like 80, 70 to 80%. It's a huge amount of money. That's but that's pays, that pays for your roads. Yep. That pays for your bridges. That pays for the infrastructure that we need that we're ha heavily neglecting right now. All these bridges we've built over the last 50 years are starting to fall apart. But this is what billionaires used to spend their money on in the States. Zoos. Yes, libraries. That is absolutely true. Parks. Museums. My grandfather, and my, well, my dad is from Detroit. Yeah. And the those institutions in Detroit were built by the car companies. The Detroit Zoo, the, yeah. you know, Belle Isle, like all those things. That and the now Fox the only theaters, thing, yeah, right? the only thing that gets built now by corporations, sports stadiums. And they put their name on it. They're not even That's building it. the darn thing. Yeah. One more quick uh, study uh, number here. We've thrown a lot of numbers at you tonight from the CCPA study because uh, this they found that the annual sales revenue among Canadians public the Canadian public companies increased by hundred one hundred seventy four point five billion between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty one. Comparatively, their expenses only increased sixteen point nine million. So that's a little bit of difference. That's a huge difference. That's a little bit of difference. And because we don't ask that question, because we don't have the forum to ask that question, uh, every day uh, Jane and Joe just go about their days trying to make everything work. Well, and I don't think and it's just that. Are doing There's this. a lot of, I believe there is, this is the whole conspiracy theory thing happening again, is I truly believe corporations sow dissonance amongst yes. the general public. There's a reason we're divided on so many things, and it behooves them to keep us divided because if we stay divided, then we can't fight them. 
You know why they do that, right? Because there's a lot of theories that we, by a certain age, have decided what we are going to consume. The way to stop that is to inject chaos. And if you inject chaos, then people will start making other decisions. Maybe I don't like Coke. Maybe I do like Pepsi. Maybe I can't believe Coke did that. That injection of that point is how the market forces, because let's be honest, the, the conventional marketing taps right now have already been set, and they're looking yeah. for new ones. They're Absolutely. constantly looking to create a new one. So a little bit of chaos in that system is where the change comes from. Absolutely. Right? And they want all your change. Yeah, they, it's the greatest transference of wealth in history. It's remarkable. So it's in remarkable. next week when we talk, Chris, I want to talk yeah. to you about, uh, I had a good friend of me of mine send me a list of uh, the way we used to discuss things with people and how our language has changed over the hundred years. Oh, my goodness, it's changed so much. Yeah. Why we really took on the man here tonight, didn't we? I know. My goodness, if any of us disappear, and you know, know the first half was all about cheering human nature and how we look, we got to the space and everything else. The second half was (laughs) so. Let's talk about our social media for a second. Come and see us on Twitter at uh, Studio Six Two Zero One on Facebook at Studio Six Two One. Send us, you know, send us some messages. Ask us to talk about some things. And if you're interested in coming on the show contact us yeah because we're looking to uh, expand the reach here have some more fun get some more voices into this yeah. conversation because it's not about us it's about the conversation yeah, right it's a, i love this i love having this conversation nice. every week it's a lot of fun a lot of fun thanks to my buddy ben thompson providing the music listen to this tune in thanks, the background ben. thanks benny uh and coming up i we don't want to say too much but we might have our wives in here buddy i know this could be the show of shows <laughs> do we want to do this yeah, I, I, I want to have Beth come in because I love Beth. I think she's awesome. Okay. Beth doesn't like putting herself out too much, so it's going to be a stretch for me to grab her in here. <laughs> Great conversation, buddy. Thanks for having me over, Chris.